0: It's Fire Away Friday Friday. on Exploring the Word. This is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away
1: Friday on American Family Radio. That means we take... Your questions, that's what we're looking at. That's what we're wanting. And that number that you can call, Triple Eight Five Eight Nine Eight Eight Four Zero. Triple Eight Five Eight Nine Eight Eight Four Zero. We open those lines so you can make those phone calls and have your questions. We look forward to it every Friday. Well, Alex, we've started something new. And uh, that is, we answer at least one question that has been sent in to you or me or at Word, and uh, so we look forward to these questions, don't we?
2: Well, we really do, and we sincerely appreciate everybody listening, and we love the questions. And uh, again, the number is triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. Let me share a question that I got this week, and uh, it relates to the fact that Jesus is the Son of God, and Someone asked, How can we say Jesus is fully God when he didn't know all things? Now, this relates to the fact about his return when they ask about the end of time. And here on earth, Jesus said that knowledge is reserved for the Father. Uh, neither the angels in heaven nor even the Son of Man, uh, but that day or hour is known only to the Father. And this particular, it was a college student, said, uh, well, if Jesus didn't know all things, because, you know, omniscience is one of God's attributes, how do we say he's really God the Son if there was something that he didn't know?
1: Okay, when you hear that, let me just share with you. It says that Jesus grew in knowledge of God and in favor with God and man. And uh, it was a purposeful—I think you got to go back to Philippians chapter 2 where he purposely emptied himself, the divine kenosis, and, Alex, so it was a purposeful limitation that he put upon himself. How would you respond?
2: Well, great response. That's exactly what I said, Bert, and, you know, this relates to the incarnation. But here's the thing, like in Matthew, he saw Nathaniel under the fig tree, and I said, so Jesus did know all things because uh, he he could— Uh, know of a conversation that took place uh, in his absence, but apparently, while here on earth, he voluntarily, for a while, in his fully divine human form, limited some of his—he didn't use some of his attributes. It's almost like, you know, when a father's wrestling with his little child, the father absolutely has the strength. To overpower the child if they're sparring, but he willfully chooses not to use his full abilities, doesn't he?
1: That's exactly right. And and what is amazing, Jesus in doing the miracles, he could have done all the miracles to help himself. There seem there's no miracle that you see him do where it's concerning himself. It's always about others. So so this is who who God is. This is who Jesus is. And and let me just share with you. I think that. That demonstrates the character of God, of who he is. Jesus said, when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And so Jesus Christ is the word. And that word, God became flesh and dwelt among us. And I love the line in verse 14 of chapter 1 of John. It says, and we beheld his glory. And uh, let me share with you the glory of Jesus Christ uh, is to be seen in and through our lives as well. So that's our purpose, to bring glory. So that's what we want to do when we go to the phone lines. We want to bring God glory, don't we, Alex?
2: Well, we absolutely do. And, folks, it's Fire Away Friday. We're going to get to as many of the questions as we can, and we're going to go to Arkansas now and speak with uh, Rondi. Rondi, do I have your name correct there?
3: Yes, yes. Thank you so much. I'm excited to talk to you guys.
2: Well, we're, um, we're excited to I, have you listening.
3: Thank you. I have a question. I, I, I got to tell you, perhaps I'm being more too technical here. I'm still an infant in my learning. But when I read Exodus chapter 9, verse 6, it says that all the livestock of the Egyptians died. I'm talking about the plagues that were happening back then. And then after that, the boils hit the animals and the people, and then in chapter nine, verses nineteen through twenty, the Egyptians were told to bring all their livestock in because of the hail. Here's my question: What animals were even left by then?
1: <laughs> Great question, Randy. Uh Alex, uh, when we're talking about the plagues that came upon them, let me make this. Make I'm sure everybody knows. Each one of these was plagues that would attack uh, the Egyptian gods that they would worship. But when it comes to this and the livestock and them being taken out, uh, were they replenished or did they get them all?
2: Well, you know, certainly around what historians call the Nile Delta. Uh, the animals would have died because, I mean, these plagues were enough to kind of finally break Pharaoh's will and bre- bring Pharaoh to his knees. Now, in in there, there obviously were other animals. This doesn't mean all the animals in the world went extinct. But I think gradually, after the plague subsided, the animals uh, uh, they repopulated uh, that region.
1: It really did, and I, over that period of time, they would bring them in, I think, Rondi, as well. And, and so you have this movement and, and biblical uh, mandates of what took place there with the plagues, and uh, you see the glory of God. Again, I know that's my issue of the day is the glory of God. The glory mm. of God was seen even as the defeat of their gods that they worship went down. And so at the end, that's what really happened. God's glory was seen.
2: Alex? Just like uh, the food will eventually come back after a famine, the animals eventually came back after a plague. Great question. Unique question. Dennis in Texas. Uh, Dennis, uh, thanks for listening and welcome to the show. How are you doing, Alex? Uh, Good to have you on. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Can you hear me okay? Sure. Sure.
4: Okay, well, basically, uh, I just talked to a Muslim guy for about an hour, and, uh, you know, he was talking, and I'm sure you're aware of all this about the Zam Zam water and on and on, but uh, he was talking about some guy named Furon, F-I-R-O-N, saying that he still had skin after 1,500, and I'm just kind of going, I don't believe that at all. You, you know, no embalming, and he's got skin after 700 years I, I i just can't see that even possible but nevertheless uh what i did notice and i wanted your thoughts on this the guy said uh you know when i said something, oh well don't go into that that'll offend me i said you can say anything you want it won't offend me i i am strong in my belief and you're not going to offend me so why do you think muslims are so easily offended
5: okay
1: I, right, dennis thank you let me share this. Uh, uh, my son, Nathan, that I do exploring missions with, he, he worked with quite a few Muslims for a five-year period of time trying to to reach them, and many were reached, and we praise God for that. I, I, let me just share with you that religion. They are easily offended, Dennis, if, uh, you know, what's taking place over in Europe by a cartoon that has something about, uh, you know, Mohammed and and they're offended. They're offended. Uh, picture taken. That mm-hmm. that is part of their culture and their. I I won't know if it's their religion, but they are easily offended. You are why? Uh, I think it's because it's an, they're standing on unsure footing, unstable right. foundation. Go ahead, Alex.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, uh, do you know what? I've got a, a religion textbook from over a hundred years ago. And one of the arguments that Muslims will use is that the explosive growth of Islam, uh, you know, in the 620s, Muhammad was was really run out of Mecca, and he went for about a, a dozen years north to Medina, and he came back, and there was this like vertical growth of Islam. Well, 100 years ago, there was a Uh, academic textbook written called The World's Great Religions by Samuel Braden, B-R-A-D-E-N. And here's what he says regarding the Islamic argument that the rapid growth throughout the Middle East is proof of the truth of Islam. Braden, a hundred years ago, this is before political correctness, he said the growth of Islam uh, shows that if you hold a sword to someone's neck, they will repeat what you want them to say. Now, uh, let me just say this. Uh, I, I think about five, six years ago, Bert, when the French um, news and humor magazine Charlie Hebdo, yeah. they had a Draw Muhammad Day, uh, which uh, that's a, a, a big sin to draw Muhammad. And non-Muslims drew pictures of Muhammad. Well, they were bombed and many people were killed. And so I've I've had this conversation with Muslims, too. Look, uh, I understand uh, Allah is holy and your prophet is holy, but for non-Muslims, you know, sorry, but we're not going to venerate uh, a God we don't believe in and a prophet that we think is false. But um, I will say, in trying to witness, we have to be diplomatic. And what, what I like to try to—whenever I'm talking to a Muslim—that um, the Bible has been preserved— The Bible tells us of Jesus. One of the most documented facts of the ancient world is the life teachings and, yes, resurrection of Jesus. And so, um, one of the most urgent things in our world today, Bert, I believe, is the conversion of Muslims because many are so sincere about what they believe, but they're sincerely lost. And
1: it is taking place right down, right now in Iran. The Muslim population, they have found out the fallacy of Islam and they're turning to truth, and many are turning to Christ. And in the last few years, there's been more conversions to Christianity in Iran than any place. In Indonesia, the place that has more than anyone, there's a large population, again, that's turning to Christ. So, it is happening. We don't hear about it as much because it just, they don't want it to get out, but it is getting out, Alex. They are, many of them, turning to Christ.
2: Amen. Well, we're going to go to Charlotte in Arkansas. Charlotte, thanks for holding. Welcome to the Friday edition of Exploring the Word.
3: Well, hello, Alex. Uh, I'm from Stuttgart, Arkansas, and you were in my church in October with a revival, and I just want to um. say I appreciate what you do, and and I'm enjoying your program.
2: Well, bless your heart, and I'm going to be back in Stuttgart, Arkansas. Uh, I don't know when the date. Oh, September 24 through 27. I'll be back in Stuttgart this year, September 24 through 27. Good Lord willing. And Charlotte, thank you. Bert, I hear that music. We're going to take a break. And <laughs> we when are. we come back, what are we going to do? We're
1: going to take more questions. And we're going to tell you about something that's going on right now. Just give you a little bit of a hint. It's about pre-born. It's about a difference that you can make in the lives of people. If you
6: are 65 or older, You know this, watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on healthcare costs is so frustrating, but here's some great news. If you miss the December 7th deadline for open enrollment, it's not too late. Here's something that can really help. It's MediShare 65 Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills. It's people who encourage and pray for each other too. MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops, it's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. Plus, it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. So worth looking into. MediShare 65 Plus is open for enrollment. And if you join right now, before January 31st, your second month will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE.
0: People often ask, if God loves us so much and has all that power, why do we still go through hard times? Dr. Tony Evans says there's an answer to that question, even though we may not like it. He'll tell us more as we spend two minutes with Tony.
7: Why does God take his people through the wilderness where God leads you? He's in front of you, directing you into a dry spot. Dry financially, dry relationally, dry academically, dry emotionally, dry circumstantially, because that's the nature of the wilderness. In the wilderness, he has one lesson and one lesson alone. The lesson in the wilderness is you can't make it without me. I'm going to let you go hungry so that you know I'm the source of your food. I'm going to let you go thirsty so that you know I'm the source of your water. I'm going to let you not see things work out so that you are reminded you don't own a thing. And if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't eat, you wouldn't drink, your shoes would wear out, you would not make it if it were not for me. He says the wilderness is on purpose. And it's on purpose to position you with the right mentality. God knows our propensity to forget that we are stewards of what He gives. We are dependent on Him. And so He sets up wilderness reminders.
0: Learn why everything we have comes from God and what He wants us to do with it. Check out Tony's CD series, Kingdom Stewardship, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony.
4: For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. Colossians 1.13,
0: American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Father, I'm in a desperate
7: place. Father, Father, I know you can bear the weight Father, take me in your arms As I speak your name I lift my hands and pray
2: Welcome back to Fire Away Friday. What a beautiful song, our Heavenly Father who takes us in His arms. And do you know the arms of the Lord are open, reaching out to you right now? They really, really are. Well, we're in the Word of God, and we're uh, taking calls, the number toll-free nationwide. We'd love to hear from you. It's 888-589-8840. And Bert, as we queue up some more questions, um, one of the things we've talked about this week is pre-born. And what a blessing it is to stand for life with preborn isn't it?
1: It really is. We have partners that we all through the year we partner with them mostly it's mostly for evangelism it's for uh, moral issues and with preborn you get both you get the evangelism and you also get the issue of saving those babies' lives and ultimately helping the mother that was thinking about abortion. To look at it, and it really helps her to go ahead and not have that baby die. And so we mm. we do partner with Preborn, and you're able to help get a woman who's uh, abortion-minded an ultrasound. And 80% of the time, when they have an ultrasound and they see the baby and they hear the heartbeat, they decide to keep the baby. So for $28, you can provide one free ultrasound for an abortion-minded woman who comes in thinking about that and for 140 dollars you can provide free uh five th- uh, free ultrasound and that will make a difference and we're partnering with them now listen to this you can go online at afr.net online at afr.net and you'll see the banner right there at the top and you can donate online or you can call this number and that you can write this down if you can't right now and you want to uh, make an offering later, a gift later. It's 877-616-2396. That's 877-616-2396. That way the, would, the mother gets witnessed to, and many times they're saved, and most 80% of the time the baby that is, she is carrying is saved. What a difference this makes, and we're glad to partner with them, Alex.
2: Amen. Hey, I got to ask you this before we resume calls. Have you ever heard of a wonderful Christian speaker named Ryan Bomberger? I have, yes. Yeah, I was on the phone with him this morning. Great. He's spoken in front of the UN, he's spoken at all the Ivy League schools. He was conceived in rape, right. and everybody wanted his mother to have an abortion, and she didn't. She carried him to term, and he's probably in his late 30s, early 40s, married, got kids, literally one of the world's preeminent pro-life speakers. But he said, I'm so glad my mother chose life. Yeah. And I, he and I were talking just this morning, but see, that's what preborn does. You know, we were talking yesterday with um, uh, Bartholomew, uh, the lady, her last name is Bartholomew. And when An expectant mother sees that ultrasound, she's twice as likely to keep her child. It's like 80% plus. So 877-616-2396, $28 will underwrite an ultrasound and save a life and share the gospel. We would encourage you to do that. Well, Bert, we're going to go back to Arkansas. Daniel in Arkansas, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, how are y'all doing?
1: Doing well Good. today, Good. Daniel.
2: Thank you for calling. Uh, yeah,
5: I just got a question. I was reading it the other day, and I was a little confused. Uh, maybe you guys can give me some clarity, uh, help understand things. Um, so I was reading about the story of Noah and his sons, uh, him. Uh, I could have just spouted a mouth, but now I'm on the radio and got my t- tongue tangled. T- t- whatever. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> him, hey, so Ham, and um, That's right. Okay. So – the, the story Noah got, um, I was a little confused because I didn't quite understand it, but I know in observation, I noticed that, uh, Noah had a little too much to drink one night and, uh, he got, he got tore up and then his, and his, he was naked and his son walked in and, and saw him naked, I guess. Uh, and then uh, he basically, the other two sons came in and clothed him. I didn't understand why he, um, he, he cursed the son, uh, and why, why 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 was that the result, and and what did he do deserving other than walking in and seeing your dad that drank too much tonight before, you know? Daniel, thank you. Good
1: good question. I want to tell you when you read that straight up and not think it through with some details. Uh, I I think we come to that decision, but the word nakedness has a little bit more to do with it. It, it has some, and again, I'm not talking about actions or anything, but mocking. Uh, you know, the whole idea of of not uh honoring his father even though he had drunk. Now, Alex, have you heard why he had drank wine, but after the flood atmosphere had changed, you know, and everything, and the results of the alcohol that was in it would have greater results. Have you ever heard that argument?
2: Y- yeah, and I don't know this if it's isn't... real or
1: not, yeah. but no either way, Noah uh he was that way but there was some disrespect there by Ham, wasn't
2: it? Well, yeah, and something, you know, Dr. Wilmington, Harold Wilmington of Wilmington's Guide to the Bible, talks about this is in Genesis 9. uh, Noah planted a vineyard, and verse 21 talks about the fact that he got drunk, and Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, told his brethren without. And Dr. Wilmington, at at the very least, it it was a very... Sad uh, moment in the life of Noah, a preacher of righteousness. You know, the Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness, and here he is passed out drunk. And what did Ham do? I don't know. At least they mocked and dishonored their father, but maybe there was even something uh, like a molestation or something. But it was bad, wasn't it? And so um, Noah uh, gets up, and he knew—look at verse 24 of Genesis 9— he knew what his younger son had done to him. Now, it wasn't just a visual sight. Something was done to him in his inebriated state, and that was a very, very serious sin, wasn't it?
1: It really was, and again, uh, just reading it that way, you would just think you would come in, but the word nakedness, because of all its connotations, has more, more to do with it, Daniel, whether we can know the full definition, we don't, but it was serious enough that that would be the case. Thank you for calling today.
2: Wow. Well, we're going to go to Tennessee, beautiful state of Tennessee. Lynn, welcome to Fire Away Friday on the American Family Radio Network.
3: Um, h- hello, Bert and Alex. Um, I just wanted to say thank you for uh, both of, all the work that you guys do individually and for AFR. Um the reason that I'm calling is I had heard Bert on the on the um, air mention a few times that at their church they had um, they work with uh, um, Celebrate Recovery, and uh, right at the moment my son is in um, in a drug rehab program, and um, the church that they have also has a Celebrate Recovery program, and I guess um, he's going to be getting out of there in a few months. And um, I do feel like the Lord has been calling him. He hasn't sacrificed or um, given his life to the Lord yet. And um, I guess I'm wondering, um, as parents and family, how can we prepare ourselves for when he gets out of there, whether he's converted
1: or not? Lynn, thank you for calling. I, I just want to share. Give me a, I want to give a shout-out to Celebrate Recovery. It has helped and strengthened many, many believers who have trusted Christ who have that issue of, of you know addictions, they have addictions of habits, and, and from very severe to what we would say, well, it's not as severe as something. You can do that by being strong. You need to look at him, and I don't know if he'll come back to your home or what, but you need to have some limits set on him and encouragement to get to celebrate recovery. And uh, if he, if, since they have that, it's, it's an opportunity for you and your family to even you can go with him. And if he doesn't want to show up the first time by himself, uh, some way make a connection with the leader of Celebrate Recovery there in the local church. And the ones that I know, they reach out because they want to help them and they will strengthen them. They provide accountability, they provide encouragement, and they will equip them to deal with the issues that they have to face when they're out of the facility. So, Lynn, it's a great opportunity for you to encourage him. Uh, I, I don't know how to say it either. Demand, yes, you need to go as strong as you can in love. And I, we're going to be we're going to pray Is that all right Alex to pray for Lynn's son? Yes. Would you mind yes. doing let's, that brother?
2: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that the the message of Jesus includes deliverance from bondage. And Lord, so many are under the bondage of drug addiction and substance abuse, alcohol addiction. And Jesus, we know the Bible says you came to set the captives free. So I pray for Lynn's son that he would get clean and stay clean. I, I thank you for churches everywhere that do celebrate recovery. And Father, I believe it is a spiritual battle as much as Amen. a physiological battle. So Father. Father. Father, in the name of Jesus across this nation Lord you know there there's meth and there are so many deaths from drugs and oh God help us states are legalizing marijuana why why would they do that so the Holy Spirit of God would you set America free from the bondage of drug addiction and sweep across this nation and in the name of Jesus I pray even right this moment people would desire to get clean they would desire to stay sober and Lord that church would help people find recovery and that recovery through jesus in whose name we pray amen amen
1: lynn thank you and we uh, people all over america right now are praying for you amen. and your son and we'll keep
2: it up thank you so much uh we're going to go to mississippi uh london in mississippi london do i have your name correct there yes sir i mean yes sir wonderful it's great to have you on thank you for calling
3: uh, thank you for receiving me, sir.
2: Uh, well I was uh, wondering. Yeah, yeah.
3: I was sort of wondering, will there be death in the millennia? Or will everybody live for the whole of the thousand of years?
2: Okay. Alex, does it give us the details on that? It doesn't completely say. Uh, London, that is a great question. I'm I'm gonna say this. As a rule, No. Uh, The millennia, at the end of the Battle of Armageddon, Jesus comes back, and he will rule and reign for a thousand years on earth. And then at the end of the millennial period, a thousand years, there'll be the new heavens and new earth coming down. Uh, Bert, I I don't know, and I'm going to be a little bit, uh, this is a little bit of speculation. There will be some people that go alive from the tribulation into the millennial kingdom. Peace on earth, and there'll be children born. Now, at the end of that thousand years, I mean, do people that believe in Jesus instantly get a glorified body? There will be, and I know this is complicated, and that's why we we spent several hours going through the book of Revelation, and that that audio CD is available through the AFA store. Bert, there's going to be a rebellion. There will be some people that die in a state of unbelief. And I don't know if people die and then come back. I tend to think, and this is complete guesswork, so forgive me if I'm wrong, that somehow just instantaneously people get a glorified body as the new Jerusalem is brought down from heaven, and everybody enters eternity proper. But what do you say?
1: That makes sense when you look at uh, you know, the development, the chronological order, and the physical issue, that is what i come up with. But let me give this, and I think this is so important. When the Bible is definite on something, let's be definite. When there's some issues there, like the millennial uh, reign and what takes place during those, uh, some of it we know, but some of it is a little bit of, okay, let's figure it out. And uh, But we know he's going to reign. During that period of time, there's finally going to be peace on earth during that time. But at the end of it, there is going to be that time where the truth of those that were in it that were born during that time, did they really receive Christ or not? And so uh, hope that helps, London. Uh, we speculate no, but the possibility is there.
2: Yes. Well, Larry in Ohio. Larry, thanks for listening. You are yeah, on. How are you today? You're on good good to have you
4: good good uh, thanks for having me
2: hey my question is
4: if, if i always have a free will and i accepted christ as a child and i lived a christian life can i later on if i decide that i just don't like this anymore
1: walk away from christ and uh get unsaved okay thank you larry this question has been asked and continues to be asked let me just give a scripture um uh, in 1st John it says if they had been with us they no doubt would have stayed with us but they went out from us because they were never with us in the first place. It's more than quote a decision. Uh, you know yes I have decided to follow Christ. I understand the decision. It is mind, your will and emotions, with your mind, you reason and with your will you make that forward commitment, that surrender. And then it follows through with your entire life. Larry, uh, listen, that that is one of the questions that, that has been asked. I don't think you accidentally do it. If it could happen, Alex, that's the way they would have to do it. But I think we're in his hand, and no man is able to pluck him out of his hand.
2: Yeah, you know, Hebrews six, 6 talks about those having tasted the heavenly gift but fallen away. And the word there is parapasantos. Para it's a Greek word. And it speaks of walking around, as, as in walking away from God. Wouldn't it be terrible for somebody to do that? Well, Bert, we're going to come back and take more questions, and the number is 888 We're going to have more Exploring the Word after this brief break. Stay with us.
4: Here's Pastor Jeff Shree with From His Heart Ministries. How many people come to church and they're chained to a bitter
6: spirit and all sorts of problems chained to greed and selfishness?
0: Even when they want to break free, they can't seem to break free. Worship Him and praise Him and let Him remove the chains. Learn to break the chains forever through Christ. Join Pastor Jeff Shreve on From His Heart, weeknights at 6 Central here on American Family Radio.
6: 80% of the time, an abortion-minded mother who views an ultrasound or sonogram of her baby will choose life. Here's the story of Candace.
7: The sonogram sealed the deal for me.
0: My baby was like this tiny little spectrum of hope. And I saw his heart beating on the screen. And knowing that there's life growing inside, I mean, that sonogram changed my life. I went from just Candace to mom. Thank you to everybody that has given these gifts. You guys are giving more than money. You guys are giving love.
6: There are currently preborn centers which do not have an ultrasound machine. Would you sponsor a machine today? Dial pound 250 and say keyword, baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Or go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com.
0: Your love can save a life. The borrower is the slave of the lender. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Prior to the passage of the Federal Reserve Act of 1913, over 80% of American families were debt free. Today, however, Over 80% of the American people are saddled with debt. I was asked recently what advice I could offer in the midst of the national tension we currently face. One of the things I said in response was to work toward getting completely out of debt. So much fruitfulness and faithfulness to God has been robbed from us due to the impact of crushing debt. One of the best things you can do for your family right now is to become debt-free.
6: Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net. For more, from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
0: Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Just give me Jesus.
1: Welcome back to Exploring the Word. We're going to try to get your phone calls and answer them as quickly as we can. But let me one more time during this great week of promoting pre-born, give that number so you can call them and make a offering, a gift to them. $28 will provide a free ultrasound for an abortion-minded woman that might help her not only save that baby, but also her soul be saved because she'll be witness to that number is 877-616-2396. Write it down if you can, 877-616-2396, or go online at AFR.net. Alex, let's get to those phone calls, brother.
2: Kevin in Mississippi. Kevin, thanks for holding. You're on. Thanks for
1: having me, guys. Um,
4: I have a question that actually comes from my seven-year-old son. We were around the table last week having a little Bible study. He mentions that he likes John 3.16 as one of his favorite verses, and his mom's kind of showing him how to highlight some verses in the Bible that he can go back to and reference. And um, so he thumbs over to John 3.16. He's looking at it, and he asked me, did Jesus speak that? Because up above there, earlier in the chap in chapter 3, Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, and it's in red letters. Well, then at 16, it's no longer in red letters. So I get my Bible thumb over, same way. I get my study Bible, which is a different version, and it's in red. So then I go to the app on my phone, version, and it notes that some translations carry the quotation all the way to verse 21, some, quotas, some versions stop at 15. So my question is, did Jesus speak the words
1: in the verse John 3,
4: 16?
1: Well, first of all, Kevin, thank you for spending time with your son, getting into the Word of God. I, what a treat that is to hear and to know that. New King James, it's in red letters all the way through 21, and I know what you're talking about. Uh Alex I I when I read that I still I I I still think it's connected to Jesus conversation with Nicodemus so I think it is yeah. spoken
2: Yeah it's in red in mine and so you know from John chapter 3 in verse 10 it says Jesus answered and said unto him comma are you a master of Israel and it goes on and it's all in red and then verse 22 says after these things uh, jesus and his disciples dot 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 so bert it does seem that verse 10 through 21 is jesus's complete you know narrative that he shares with nicodemus so i think jesus said it i mean it makes complete sense and a complete thought so i think yes jesus uttered john three sixteen.
1: now he is he is saying it in a what's called second person his son and he is him but still, that is taking it from the point of view that it's it's letting Nicodemus know who he is. Jesus is letting him know he is the very son that we're talking about. It's not someone else. So I think in the context, it can be and should be in red letters.
2: Great, great question. Kevin, Tell tell your son that we're very proud of him for that great question. Well, my home state is North Carolina, and we have a caller from North Carolina whose name is John. Welcome to the program, John. Hey, can you hear me okay? We sure can. Good to have you. Thank you very
4: much. Yes, uh, God bless you guys. I was reading in Genesis 18, verse 19, and God said that he had known Abraham in order that he would command his children to do righteousness and justice— and so I was, I was imagining this was before the Ten Commandments, the Mosaic instructions, and some of those previous chapters, I don't see instructions given. So I'm just curious, how do you, how do you think that righteousness, that justice um, was being passed on through? And then, of course, Galatians 3.8, it says the gospel was preached to Abraham.
1: Okay great great man we're getting some great questions here today and we thank you john when you see that abraham's faith in god commune communicating with abraham communicating with him especially in some others even communicating with moses let me just share with you there's some mystery in that there really is uh we can't come and say okay we we hear people what language did god speak uh i we we've talked about that mm-hmm. here but he does communicate with him i think it's more than just mental ascent i think there's some uh physical communication but there's also that mental and and emotional and spiritual i think it is a combination of those alex what about you
2: yeah and you know the question is asked by john how did they cuz this is before exodus 20 and the 10 commandments and how did they know uh justice righteousness judgment Bert, I'm gonna. I think all the way back in Genesis three and four. Okay, Adam and Eve sinned, and God killed a lamb and made them clothes to wear to cover their nakedness. That's uh, there's a lesson in righteousness there. Cain killed Abel, and then God said, "Because you have slain man's blood, uh, that by." The murderer's blood, you know, justice will be served, although Cain was allowed to escape. But you see, I honestly believe from the very Garden of Eden through the fall, even before Mount Sinai, justice, judgment, and righteousness were being revealed to the human race, Bert, in in many of those scenarios.
1: It is. The experience, God's response to that, again, the communication was real. Uh, I, I remember Dr. Adrian Rogers. I think we need to quote him. We hadn't quoted him this week, I don't think. So, Alex, we, we use the quote Dr. Adrian Rogers each <laughs> It's week. the law. Yeah, we have yeah. to
2: quote Adrian Rogers.
1: Yeah. He said, God spoke to my heart. It, was, it wasn't verbal. It was much louder than that, you know? And, wow, and wow. so God can speak so clearly and so loudly. And uh, I know that was done. And it's through experience, through the opportunities, but also through communion with God.
2: Amen. Well, great question. Um, We're going to go to uh, Arkansas. Lynn in Arkansas, welcome to the program.
3: Thank you. Yeah, um, I heard this on another program, and I didn't hear the whole program and don't usually listen to it. So what um, the uh, person was talking about was the law of first mention. And do you know what that is? And can you tell me if it's says something in the Bible that pertains
1: to that? Let me make this clear. The law of first mentioned, M-E-N-T-I-O-N? Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead, Alex. Yeah,
2: yeah um, well, there is a study called hermeneutics, and hermeneutics is the science of accurately handling the Word of God. And the, the law of first mention uh, is basically the concept that the first time uh, something, a key spiritual theme appears in the Word of God, whether it be the Redeemer, like the first mention of a promised Savior is in Genesis 3.15, that you really need all other future mentions need to be understood in light of that first mention. Uh, the law of God, uh, the Ten Commandments, Israel, you know. And so, Bert, uh I think, as a general rule, this is a, a good practice to follow. We don't, um, I, because we, we use the phrase progressive revelation. God revealed himself progressively. So I got to confess, I don't know who first came up with that phraseology, quote, the law of first mention, but it, it basically means we interpret future mentions in light of the context of the first time a, a concept appears in the Bible.
1: And they would be connecting. When I visualize that, I, I visualize connecting the dots. It's like when you have all these dots and they have numbers, you go from one to two, from two to three, and when you do that, the law first mention, and then you follow through with the others It it completes the picture in a greater way, and also it gives validation to that, but it also lets you examine the others in, I would say, in proximity to that and in accordance to that, Alex.
2: Thank you so much, Um, Lynn. Great question. Uh, Jim in Tennessee. Jim, welcome to the program. Thanks for holding.
4: Yes, sir. Thank you, and I appreciate your show. Uh, I had a a question. Uh, I have a family member that's Uh, in the homosexual activity and they believe that they was saved and baptized 20 years ago and they can continue this lifestyle and still go to heaven and i'm just curious if that's true or false
1: okay alex go ahead go first
2: well jim ask them what what do they mean by being saved um if you stood before god and god said why should i let you let you into heaven what what do you take that salvation experience to have meant and and really keep it about Jesus? But ask them, because uh, a lot of people, maybe maybe they talk about being saved or they'll say, I'm a Christian. But ask them, what do they mean by that? Bert, what would you say?
1: I I would do the very same thing. Make it about Jesus. But then if they keep on and they want to argue, I I would take them to to 1 Corinthians 6, 10, 11, and 12. Such were some of you. They were delivered. And I would show them the book of Romans and what it says that God gave them over. He gives them over into judgment. Jesus did not save us to sin. He saved us from our sin. I would say that to an adulterer. I'd say that to a murderer. Can God forgive? But he delivers you out of it. He doesn't you don't stay in it. He brings you out. Salvation, if you think about it, Alex, it's a ship. And, and that's been the, uh, the old ship Zion. It's been a picture of salvation. You throw that, laugh, uh, that uh, life raft out, and uh, they get on it to bring them into the ship, not to keep them in the water, but to bring them into the ship. God does not put us out there to stay in that sin. He delivers us to himself from sin. And so that's uh, – do it in love as best you can, Jim. Uh, it's, it's, it's happening. I got this – I got a feeling this question uh, is being uh, answered dozens of times over the radio right now because of what we're saying, Alex.
2: Well, amen. I, I know, I know. It, it really is one of the biggest struggles of our times. I'll tell you what, let's do, we're going to try to go to Jim in Alabama. Jim, are you there? Yes,
5: sir. Hey, so I have a question related to Genesis 129, um, where God said that, Behold, I've given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of the earth, and every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat." Um, I heard you guys talking negatively about marijuana being legalized, and I, I personally eat uh, marijuana into my food as a treatment for, for muscular pain and, and different things like that and for mental health. What is your basis of wanting it to be illegal if God specifically says that it should be uh, it's for us to, to use?
1: Okay, Jim. Thank. Good mm. question. I'm glad you asked that, Jim. Yeah. Let me just t- give you a warning. And I heard it the other day, and it was just on a a television program that Jan and I were was watching. And it was talking about a guy that was, had taken you know marijuana. And they said, yes, but it's not like the marijuana that was you'd grow normally. It has been exaggerated. It's kind of like alcohol. The proof has been growing more and more until the marijuana plant has been altered so much that the mind altering part of it has done so much damage there's no doubt in my mind alex you may disagree that the marijuana plant the way it was given first before they started doctoring it up and getting that had a great purpose and uh so mm-hmm. if we could get back to that i think it could be helpful and good go ahead alex
2: Well, in the Genesis 129, where the King James renders it, uh, I've given you every herb bearing seed upon the face of the earth, and it shall be meat to you. Well, the word in the King James is seed, but it's really the word for grain. So God says, I've given you every herb bearing grain. And we know that with grain, you can make bread and things like that. Now, the hemp plant has uses, but there's hemp rope and there's hemp twine. You know, there's tobacco. People abuse tobacco. My home state of North Carolina, do you know what the universities are finding out? That they're actually, the tobacco plant has uses, uh, and maybe even medicine to cure cancer. So here's the thing. I do think every part of God's creation has a use. Uh, A tree, I could make a two-by-four to build a house, or I could make a club to beat somebody. Uh, marijuana has legitimate use, and and I know there are medicinal uses, glaucoma patients, but let me just encourage you, Jim, um, and I'm not saying you do this, but when I lived in Colorado uh, and they legalized marijuana, the day, the day marijuana was made legal and hit the streets, there was one of the worst car wrecks in Colorado history, and like half a dozen people died, and the, the teenage boys that were smoking marijuana and were high, and they had one of the worst car wrecks. It was the intersection of Stetson Hills Boulevard and Powers Avenue. Uh, Brother, I just cannot be supportive of something that people abuse to get wasted and get stoned. And I think about America. With all of our troubles right now, the last thing we need is young people uh, frying their brain on pot, walking around stoned. Um, I know there can be medicinal and beneficial uses, but let's just be honest. 90% of the recreational marijuana users, they're not treating glaucoma. They're getting stoned, and I cannot not speak against that.
1: I would agree. Rec- I wrote the word down before you used it Rec- recreational marijuana dangerous. The medicinal part of it, if it can be used and regulated correctly, With all my heart, I think it has that purpose. We really do. Well, Alex, we didn't get to Daniel or or Lydia. We hope to get to them next week, don't we?
2: We do, and we sincerely appreciate everybody listening. Uh, You know, what a blessing. We have more more callers than we can even squeeze in. But uh, be in church Sunday. Go to church. Hear the Word of God. We sincerely thank the Lord for each and every one of you. And, Bert, we look forward to joining everybody in Proverbs 5, On Monday, don't we?
1: We really do. And let me remind you, Sunday is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. Uh, Pastors, pray. uh, All you members, pray and seek God and say, Oh, Lord, help us to value human life.
3: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.